noticing is, well, we've already said it's a decision to start noticing. And then the second thing is that noticing is a double-edged sword. I don't think you can choose to notice just the good. Because like you said, with every situation with your window box, there's positive and negative emotions that sit alongside each other. And we can't just choose to say, I'm going to start noticing now, but all I'm going to notice is all the wonderful things in my life. Hello and welcome to the Courage To Be podcast, where we explore how to raise your game, lean into discomfort and have more impact and purpose. I am your host, Sinead Millard. Hello everyone, welcome back to this week's, I was going to say solo episode, but it's in fact not a solo episode anymore. It was intended to be one and I started to explore the topic, the courage to notice and the value of noticing and what that means and I decided to invite my wonderful friend and business partner Lucy Allen on as we have many of these conversations daily so I thought why not have it on the podcast so be interested to see you'll see we dive right in there's no real formal intro this is really just an opportunity for us to discuss this topic Um, and it's quite nice I hope you'll see I mean it's it's an opportunity for us both to share stories um, and hopefully bring the topic to life um, rather than it just being my voice on a particular topic so you're getting that kind of myriad of views anecdotes um, and insights so let me know let me know how it goes for you and also it's Friday so belated happy St Patrick's Day I feel I need to mark it um, I can't say I had a huge celebration but I definitely remember the day um, it wasn't a national holiday here in London but um, yeah I was reflecting actually in particular on my childhood memories of St Patrick's Day and we used to go to mass on St Patrick's Day and there was great excitement and you'd always wear green and it always seemed to be a big rush and dad would be in charge of picking the shamrock and he would go outside like I actually had wild shamrock I don't know whether that yeah should ask him about that but he would go and pick wild shamrock and again that would be a big rush and he'd leave that too late and then we'd have to pin the shamrock onto our onto our tops and it was great excitement um and you're always allowed to break Lent on St. Patrick's Day. Gosh, it, yeah, does anyone else remember that? Anyway, there's some kind of memories. Um, what was always a really lovely day of remembrance and celebration. That's it. Over to the conversation with Lucy and I. Lucy, what does it mean to you to notice? Um, jump right in, Sinead. <laughs> <laughs> so noticing is I mean another word you could use is observation so noticing is stepping back finding space and looking at something whether that is the world around you whether that's something about yourself Uh, but I would summarize it as yeah space to observe and what is it about noticing that's important? So if we think about it, we've obviously chosen it as a topic to discuss on today's podcast. And and for me, it started out with writing and getting my thoughts onto paper, understanding the language that's within me, becoming a little bit more observant of that, um, which I just enjoy doing. And that was actually inspired as well. I was having a conversation with Marion Boswell during the week and I was a talking to her about her inspiration for writing and I was sharing how 
throughout lockdown, I've just started to pick up pen to paper a little bit more with no real intention. Sometimes it turns into a little poem, sometimes it doesn't. And I guess this got me into this thinking and reflecting on why that feels good or why that's important, which linked back to this bigger topic of noticing. But of course, writing is just one element. So I guess to explore it maybe a bit more personally for you and what that means and what that is perhaps enabled you to do. Mm. So it's interesting that you started writing. So I think the first thing is to think about what, that there has to be some impetus to want to notice something. Like, I think we live relatively, if we're allowed to, subconsciously, and we go about our daily lives, our heads are down, we react to things, we move on, and we're busy. There has to be something that brings our head up and says, have a look at this. And that usually is is an invitation that comes from something that's not working, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that might be something we can explore in this conversation, Sinead, about what it was that made you think that you wanted to do more writing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think actually on that, it was de- it was definitely, it, it was writing and it was also creating more space for solitude and meditation, right? And I'm not saying that, that that can start off with just two minutes, putting a timer on for two minutes, um, maybe in a group setting, doing that a bit longer. But to go back to your question, I guess the impetus, let's start there first. And the, the impetus was lockdown and isolation mm-hmm. and, and starting to feel a little bit anxious or like noticing that. I needed to use more tools to feel supported during this time. And actually, I think it being the anniversary, so to speak, of COVID and reflecting back on the past year, certainly not reflecting back on the past year with rose tinted glasses by any means but definitely seeing some things that came to the surface Mm. and which for me was so I think that's really interesting that you said that yes the impetus was some discomfort and pain and saying Mm. okay you know what this is starting to feel quite overwhelming unless I think some of the some some of the factors that I found um I guess were getting on top of me was the fact that yes for everyone universally there was just this uncertainty and I guess in lockdown one that was all that that felt like the uncertainty was um that everybody was facing of course and then there was the uncertainty day to day of whether or not I could schedule client sessions I could schedule meetings because I'm self-employed so my husband's working for an organization he was busier than he had ever been Mm -hmm. so it was this constant you know and and I guess there was a point in time actually where I just surrendered to that and actually said it for for kind of five to six weeks I'm I'm just it's just me and the kids um, until I know more or until I have some idea of what support could look like so I think that that was the impetus there was some pain there was some discomfort and I think the I'm trying to remember, I think prayer came up for me, which I've talked about briefly before. So I think prayer is still creating space. So again, we're talking about noticing and, and we'll get on to what exactly that means. But I think for me, prayer was a moment to stop, right? to stop and maybe to ask for support mm-hmm. and or to reflect on the day and just to start engage in a conversation, you know, with someone greater than me or mm-hmm. something greater than me, however we look at that. And then there was like the solid you piece was... I was dipping in and out of that 
um, and more recently joined a women's circle where we have been sitting in solitude for 15 minutes at the beginning of that session. Um, so just being drawn to um, be in solitude much more. And then the writing came when I started to prepare for podcasts. And I think it was that where it was just like I started to take my notes on paper as opposed to a word doc and then that kind of becoming quite enjoyable and then writing a little poem here and there and just playing around with that or just seeing what thoughts go onto the page and I was also listening to a podcast um, called On Being which I've talked about on here before and I'd really recommend people check that out and the host interviews various different poets and I think I was really intrigued by how they talked about the power of words and the language within each of us mm. there's a beautiful poet Naomi Shihab and she said there's a poet with, within each of us because basically the poet is just sharing the myriad of words and thoughts and language that are within them mm. so I guess it's just another way of noticing what's within us and by putting that on paper the act of doing that in itself I guess is 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 perhaps telling us a little bit more about ourselves as well mm. it's a very long answer to the impetus mm. Lucy <laughs> great answer there but let's just keep going with that because we're talking about noticing and maybe the next thing is well why would you be bothered to notice and that might be quite a, a nice way to explain that might be to explore what you learn in the process that you've just been going through by doing a lot of noticing um I feel like now you're coaching me <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry no, that's fine um so yeah so I guess is it all it all it's all interconnected isn't it because part of what I've talked about here on the podcast as well is noticing when we're experiencing uncomfortable or unpleasant feelings and being inspired by the work of Dr Stephen C Hayes um, you'll find his conversation on the Courage to Be podcast as well and he talks about turning towards and being with noticing the unpleasant feelings that we have and when we say mm -hmm. noticing it's essentially in allowing yourself to to feel mm. tap, tapping into the sensations in in your body and so so I guess what that has that has felt I would say that that has felt good in that um, you know, it's very hard to pinpoint, isn't it, how these things support you. But I will say that I've, I've talked about this before, I guess, engaging in the work that Stephen Hayes talked about on this podcast really, really has been very useful for me. And the biggest thing within that has been turning towards my pain, just having a moment to say, oh, I'm feeling I don't even need to know the feeling or name it. I'm just it's there and I'm not distracting myself from it, I'm not turning on a podcast I'm not ringing a friend. I'm just being with it. Okay, mm -hmm. so then I talk about, so that's been, that's been one outcome. But then I think when we feel, when we allow ourselves or turn towards our pain, then we also have an opportunity to feel more of the pleasant feelings as well. And it, it was it's interesting because I, I shared this with you, we, we, we talked about this um, briefly, but yesterday I was at the at a cafe with a friend getting takeaway coffees with a friend of mine and we were at our local cafe and the woman I was with was admiring the window boxes outside the cafe 
and she said gosh they're beautiful flowers I wonder what flowers they are and I didn't know um but when she said it I got this really strong memory of my mother-in-law um um, who lives in Australia but has come to London to visit us and very kind of quickly and unexpectedly I got this wave of emotion and um you know she she noticed and 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 it was fine I kind of shared but but on reflection I was chatting to my husband actually last night and I think I was slightly surprised because I, I don't feel like emotion comes upon me that quickly like I don't feel like I've had those yeah, I don't feel like crying. I just didn't expect her commenting on the window boxes to, to make me cry. And to, or to at least like it wasn't in kind of full tears or anything. There was no sobbing, but like it was, it was it felt emotional. And and thinking about it, there was there was a few things, I guess. I got this strong image of my mother-in-law, Rosie, and her love of flowers. And she would always, she'd been in that cafe, but generally in the area where we live, there's some beautiful um, window boxes and she would always notice the flowers and she would know her plants and her flowers so well so she would always you know comment on what they were and where they're best grown and the season and maybe there was a sadness in me that I hadn't um I wanted to go back there maybe I wished I'd been more in that moment with her um, even though I've always really admired her curiosity and her knowledge and her love for that. Um, and then there was just a deep sadness because she's in Australia and right now it's very difficult to get into Australia and because of her health, she won't be traveling back to London. So there was just that realization of going, gosh, yeah, it's just a, a sadness for not knowing when I would see her. So I think you start to feel more in life yeah. in general. And that feel there was a sense of pride that I had there, which was it wasn't a sense of shame of going, God, welling up outside the cafe over a window box. There was a sense of, yeah, I feel that makes me feel quite human. And, and I want that. And, and I and I respect that. And that feels good. Yeah, I really like that, Sinead, because I think you're right. Noticing is, well, we've already said it's a decision to start noticing. And then the second thing is that noticing is a double-edged sword. I don't think you can choose to notice just the good, because mm. like you said, with every situation with your window box, there's positive and negative emotions that sit alongside each other. And we can't just choose to say... I'm going to start noticing now, but all I'm going to notice is all the wonderful things in my life. Now, there's a huge benefit to noticing the wonderful things in our lives because it makes us grateful. It makes us consciously aware of how lucky we are and we can appreciate things. And we can also say, um, I really appreciate this thing and I'm going to bring more of it into, into my life. And we talk a lot about that with our clients, do more of what you love. And I think it's a great route to... Um, living a more meaningful and prosperous, happy life. But on the flip side to that is there's, along with all of that good stuff, comes stuff that feels painful. And you have to be ready to take the good with the bad. Hmm. And you have to be ready to do that. And you also have to want to do that. Um, and I think that takes quite a bit of courage. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, as you think about, I guess, I, I think that there's two things in what you said. I'm, I, I'm thinking of 
there being sometimes, and I'm speaking more generally here, but a, f- a, a focus on noticing the things that we are grateful for. And again, in a world of, you know, where there's a lot of focus on pleasure and perhaps optimism, positive thinking, sometimes we can forget to notice what's not so comfortable. Um, and I guess that takes me to to a question to you, Lucy, which I guess your relationship with noticing or how you feel like you dial up those no- <laughs> noticing that if we were to look at noticing as a skill, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, how have you honed it and, and maybe some personal anecdotes as to what that's meant for you more recently? Yeah, I mean, I definitely... I do think it's a skill. That's a good way of describing it. I definitely um, notice, consciously notice things that are good and I appreciate them. And usually I do that in a very conscious, it started probably very consciously and is now more subconscious in my life. And I used to, and I talked to my clients about this as well, two questions you can ask yourself in the day, how am I and what do I need? And those two questions you can ask them at any point in your day. You can just ask them once a day. Um, allow you to just tap into how you're feeling, what you need, and trying to respond and look after yourself in a slightly different way. Um, and that enables you to sort of bring in more of the things that you love because you move towards them more naturally. So that's one way. And then the other side of it, the bad stuff. I call it the bad stuff, but the stuff that's uncomfortable. <laughs> bad stuff. Um, I think that is more powerful for me because I think that is where you learn the most about yourself. So if you really want to live differently and become a different version of yourself, I I think that's where the beauty lies. And normally that comes out of some kind of discomfort, like we said at the beginning, or some kind of trauma. Like we've all had some kind of trauma in our lives. And the reality is that trauma creates neural pathways in our brain that make um, our behavior very subconscious in certain situations and that behavior will play out all the way through our lives and we will go round and round in circles with the same behavior reacting in the same way unless we break that cycle um and i i mean i'll share a very personal experience that i've had recently um with something that was very difficult i use the word bad um my father died last October very suddenly from a heart attack completely unexpected and my natural I say natural reaction but learnt behavior towards that that I've held probably most of my life is to carry on as if I'm fine and I'm extremely good at doing that I think we launched the makings a week after my dad died and it served me pretty well like I can get on with things I can um be very productive i can manage my emotions i can talk about the pay i can talk about the i could talk about the grief in a way that was quite detached mm-hmm. um and it was honestly the easiest easiest way for me to react to it and i noticed so i i very consciously noticed that that was happening and i noticed that i was also cutting myself off from conversations with my closest friends and distancing myself from anything that got underneath the surface of how I was feeling. And I realized that I was definitely avoiding dealing with something. So I made a very conscious decision. And I, I remember thinking, I have a choice to make here. I can carry on down the same path of pretending I'm fine and 
I've done that before and I learned the hard way that that's not a great plan or I can try and deal with this differently. Trying to deal with it differently meant turning into something that felt really horrible. So it was, but it was a very conscious choice. And I decided to make it and I was like, right, grief, let's go. Mm. (laughs) And I've kind of made it my friend. And obviously that process is still ongoing, but I think that's, that's a huge learning curve for me. And I, and I, I share that example because I think it's in the hardest moments where we have a choice about how to behave differently. And until it's a bit like that saying, you know, God will teach you the same lesson until you learn it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I share that example because I think, like I said, I think it's our, our toughest moments where we have our greatest learning and our biggest opportunity to become different and learn how to live in a different way. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Lucy. That really, yeah, that that's that's really incredible to hear, and also just to be able to paint that picture. I guess of you almost pausing and mm. having that moment in time and turning towards that that discomfort as as it was for you. And is it too is it too kind of perhaps I won't say early, but is it too tricky to articulate? what that's been like for you I think I don't necessarily think it depends I'm not sure if you ever go all the way through grief I mean I'm sure there's different stages to it um but I I actually resonate to what with what you said at the beginning where you found yourself journaling and spending more time in solitude and I I think it was relatively intuitive once I'd made the decision and it's almost a bit I sounds awful metaphor it's a bit like being sick once you've sort of stepped forward and made the decision to to embrace the feeling the feeling isn't actually that awful feeling that you're dreading of grief the pain it's 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 very hard but it's also almost not as bad as you you imagined it it was going to be or as hard perhaps as the resistance the pain of the resistance yeah yeah so I had to be honest I've spent a lot of time with my mum I have spent quite a bit more time on my own and I found when I was running that was where I found my space where the emotion came up um which I'm sure was to the horror of people on the towpath (laughs) on the canal in Islington um but that's where I found at the end of quite busy days, I was like, oh, okay, the, the this feeling is here. And I kind of wel- welcomed it in. I actually was I actually was very pleased to feel the grief. And it felt like I would be dishonor- dishonoring the memory of my dad if I didn't grieve because it would be sort of diminishing the importance of him in my life. So I actually found a way to really want it to be sitting there next to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'm sure... I'm sure that process isn't over, but it's been, yeah, I think, I think inviting it in, like you were saying, you know, you're sitting there, you're journaling and you're open to what is there. I think that's the key to it. Mm, Yeah. And I guess we've touched on some, perhaps let's refer to them as maybe techniques or things that each of us have explored, be that writing, um, be that solitude, time out 
running in nature. I guess to the audience listening, maybe we could uncover or if there's anything that you feel um, would be beneficial in terms of ways in which we could notice. I think a couple of things that I wrote down before this conversation is, you know, even and I think it's just it's just so personal, but it could be as simple as taking a moment to notice something wherever you are that could be in nature that could be noticing something in nature right that could be checking in with yourself in a meeting and noticing to to your point how am I um but almost noticing anyone else in the room just generally Mm -hmm. I guess honing that skill can happen in 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 so many ways like I know I've Mm -hmm. had I've gone for runs where I will it's almost like play a little game actually where I'll just notice the thoughts that are floating and bobbing around thought to thought thought to thought and sometimes I have a moment and think gosh could you imagine if I believed this one this particular one it would be like what would my life look like um so, so then I think there's no one way but yeah I think anything else to add to that just as we take our audience to the end of this but really wanting to close the loop I guess on how people might begin to explore um noticing and what that might look like yeah, like you said, it's very personal. So I think if you are someone who wants to engage with this, you will find your way and your intuition should lead you. And that question of what do I need will lead you. But something that I find quite fun, actually, is, and this is slightly because I love an interiors project, but noticing what you remember about a situation you've just been in. So if you go into a room and you're in a meeting with other people. Oh, actually, that would be so nice if we were doing that. But, you know, um, let's imagine. Um, like, what are the colour of the walls? How many lights are there? What is everyone wearing? Um, and people's names. Do you know? Like, just thinking about the things that you either intuitively intuitively remember or don't remember is quite an interesting exercise. <laughs> um and it just maybe starts flexing that muscle because like you said, it is a bit of a skill. Mm. And it's all, you know, at its core, it's, it's getting to understand ourselves more. And sometimes mm. it is the little things, like sometimes it is noticing, like for me, I'll, I, you know, my my husband will help me notice when I need sleep um, mm-hmm. because I have very specific <laughs> behaviours where he's like, I, I really just think you need a good night's sleep. And and that sometimes it is as simple as that to to notice. Actually, yeah, when I get exhausted, I get far too heady and overthink small things and, you know, think we should make radical changes when something small has happened. <laughs> um, so so it's I guess. And then so it's understanding ourselves and and we could take that to such a bigger place, which is understanding your yearnings. You know, maybe this is an opportunity for people to notice, which I'm sure we're going to hear loads of, given that it is COVID anniversary. But notice what's what are the lessons that you have learned this year? Like what's come up for you? So I talked about solitude, prayer, turning towards pain, mm-hmm. having to be in pain, not running from it, not being able to distract myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the confinement in itself was a very kind of almost manifestation of a lot. Of, we hear this in the spiritual teachings, you know, solitude and and simplicity and some in, in many ways that was forced upon us, depending on our situation at this time. Um, so I guess that's even an invite for the audience as well is to notice what it's been like. Do you take pen to paper? Or do you just sit back? Yeah, and, and how I, reacted to it yeah. yeah yeah and I'd also I think what you said before about noticing your thoughts and being like oh god imagine if I believed that I think having a curiosity 
that doesn't hold things too heavily is also really healthy because it's very easy to make this topic really deep and um, serious. And I think almost a problem with noticing our emotions sometimes is that we take ourselves very seriously and we take our emotions very seriously and we get consumed by them. Actually, if you can take a step back and observe them and say, huh, that's interesting. (laughs) I wonder where that's come from. And kind of hold it slightly more lightly um and maybe even talk about it with someone yeah that, I think that's, that's so true because I think when people because sometimes there can be a degree of shame when you notice something like mm-hmm. I know you know some people might say which I think I can definitely relate to too some people say gosh I'm a grown grown woman or I'm a grown man and I go home and I turn back into a teenager and they'll share <laughs> a funny story about that and their relationship with their parents and 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 exactly that just sharing what you notice is really <laughs> lovely sometimes because you can be guaranteed if you're noticing it somebody else is noticing it too (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and um yeah I really resonate with going back home to your parents and behaving like you're 17 (laughs) and I I definitely have to tell stories to keep that light-hearted and not (laughs) fall in a pit of shame about my behavior sometimes yeah me too absolutely Lucy this has been this has been so great uh we'll definitely do this and tease out and dissect more topics in the coming weeks love to Sinead thank you for having me Thank you so much for listening. If there's something that you've heard in this episode that has resonated with you, or perhaps you think it could benefit someone else, then please do share this link or start the conversation. If you haven't done so already, click on the subscribe button in your listening app. And as always, I really value your feedback. So please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And for more information, full show notes, links and resources, you can pop over to my website, SineadMillard.com. See you next time back here on The Courage To Be.